Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. We have got a packed show for you with two great guests. But before we get there, I want to give you a quick news rundown. As you know, we have our Pure Flix Insider blog over at insider.pureflix.com. You can check that out. We've got daily news and inspiration. But there's a couple of stories I want to run through, a couple of headlines that are really, I think, worth reading. They're faith-affirming, faith-building, and just great stories. One of those stories on the Insider, is a Christian song that sparked a murder confession. There is a Big Daddy Weave song that actually convicted a man so much who had committed murder that he stood before a court and admitted to his crimes. You can read about that over at insider.pureflix.com. We've also got a bunch of other pieces up. There's a headline, Seven Riveting Legal Dramas that you can watch right now, so you can check that out if you're into legal movies and shows. We've got a list that you can watch. Uh, But as far as other news, there is a great version of the For King and Country song, God Only Knows, that is is up right now. We have it over on the blog. This is a version that includes country star Dolly Parton. So Dolly Parton teams up with For King and Country, sings that song. There's actually a music video. We have it over there. Uh, You can check that out as well. There's also a really powerful story about Justin Bieber. Uh, Most of you know who Justin Bieber is, but he reveals this powerful message of hope that you can read about over on the blog, and it's really him describing what he's gone through as a celebrity, the bad decisions he made as a child star, and how those negative decisions really impacted him, and how the love of Christ brought him back um, to where he wants to be. And so it's a really powerful message, regardless of what you think about Justin Bieber. It's worth reading what he had to say about his faith journey. Now that brings us through the headlines. You can check them out again over at insider.pureflix.com. Now, I want to dive into our first interview today. This is Cliff McDowell. He's a TV producer. He is the head of P23 Entertainment. He's also the creator of the new show, Sea Kids. Now, I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and my kids love the Sea Kids books. It's sort of like this underwater world where the characters who are fish and little sea creatures, where they learn about Jesus. It's all lessons about God, a wonderful animated show. My kids have been all over it. It is exclusively streaming right now at pureflix.com. I had a chance to sit down with Cliff. He is responsible for a number of other shows as well, including Bible Man um, and some others that you can also watch on Pureflix. But Sea Kids is just incredible. But I talked with Cliff about his journey today. We're going to be talking about how he got into entertainment, what entertainment means to him, and how he actually journeyed into this world of faith-based animation. So with no further ado, let's welcome Cliff to the show today. Hey, Cliff, how's it going today? Good, Billy. How are you? I am doing well. So I'm excited because this wonderful show that you've directed and produced, Sea Kids, is coming to Pure Flix September 1st. And I want to get into that show and what parents and kids are going to get out of that. But I really want to know your story because there aren't a lot of people who work in entertainment on the animation side, on the faith side. Um, you know, it's sort of a small group of people. So how did you, how did you get into sort of this, the, the Hollywood world in the first place? Uh, well... Interesting enough, I started uh, my career in New York City. I was um, going to acting school there. And uh, how I got there was was really interesting, too. Uh, I had a friend of mine that I grew up with uh, in Canada, and uh, he was doing a tribute to um, Arthur Miller. And so I had just got out of the military at the time, and he said, hey, why don't you come down here, do some security work, and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing this tribute to a, a guy by the name of Arthur Miller. And I said, I said, I don't know who Arthur Miller is. And he goes, Cliff, he says, come on. He says, uh, you know, death of a salesman. <laughs> and I said, no, I, you know what, Mike? I, I said, I, I never saw the movie. 
And he says, no, it's a playwright. It's a play. He says, what's, what's wrong with you? And I, I said, mm, I'm sorry. He goes, the, the, he was married to Marilyn Monroe. And I said, well, I know who she is. Right. You're like, I, I know her. I know her. And then he said, well, he said, uh, we've, we've got a guest speaker coming up. And, and he says, I want you to uh, shadow him and, you know, make sure the press don't get too close and this and that. And I said, well, well, who's the actor? And he goes, he goes, uh, Dustin Hoffman. And I said, oh, I said, I know who I know who he is. <laughs> and and funny enough, I think he I, I think that was around the time that Dustin came out with uh, Tootsie. I think that's what it was at that time. And and so I, I went down there and then sort of got the, you know, the bug. And one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I said, Mike, I, I really like this. And I said, you know, I, I'd like to get involved and, you know, maybe get into acting and he said, well, you know what? He says, I can help you out there, too. He says, uh, I can get you into um, William Esper School, where um, this was a, a Meisner technique of, uh, of acting. And, and that was where, you know, Jeff Goldblum, uh, uh, Tony Randall, um, uh, some other, you know, really amazing actors had, had studied that. And, and sure enough, um, he got me in. So, you know, next thing you know, I was, you know, in acting school in New York City down in Manhattan. And... Uh, that's where things really started and that was really exciting because uh one thing led to another again and and i ended up out in in santa monica and you know so you ended up you ended up here in the u.s yes yeah yeah it was it was amazing and and um when i when i ended up out in santa monica um uh, it was it was pretty surreal um, just to be there uh, for, for for a you know a a, a young Canuck boy that uh, was you know pretty naive to the industry and what was going on. But one uh, again, I I I didn't know where I was going. I wasn't a believer at the time. But what happened was I I had a bucket list, and and the bucket list was one thing I had on there was read the Bible cover to cover. What made, you wanna, what made you want to do that as somebody who wasn't a believer? You know, I, uh, you know, I, I went to uh, um, church when I was a kid. Um, I, I belonged to a group called Crusaders. It was kind of like uh, the Boy Scouts. You know, I had accepted the Lord when I was eight years old. Um, my parents split up, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, when I was in the military, um, I was 19 years old, and I had to rappel over this mountain the next day, and and I and I made pe I made peace with Jesus when I was 19. I was like, okay, Lord, so you know, if I die, if I fall off this cliff, uh, you know, it's like a 300 foot cliff. Uh, you know, I had to rappel over this mountain. You know, like uh, sorry for all the bad things I did, and but I'm a really good guy, and you know, I've been really nice and. And I've been nice to my grandparents, and I did charity work, so I'm I'm really good. And you know, I repelled over the mountain, and and I lived, and and then that was it. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I'm good. So uh, God loves me, and and we made a deal, and that's fantastic. Uh, but getting out to um, getting out to LA, I just you know, I I just felt this need. Uh, uh, of of finding truth, and that started with acting school. Uh, believe it or not, that was the catalyst because it, so it acting was, school uh, acting school was the catalyst to you sort of finding faith. Yeah, it was because um, because the technique was about getting to truth and and being truthful, and mm. but that turned me wanting. It was like a, it was like an infection of this seeking of truth and i mean i was reading all kinds of new age books i was looking all around um you know i i was doing all kinds of research and, and unfortunately you know the internet was just at its early stages there so it wasn't like i could google faith or anything like that so it was you know go down to the public library and and grab whatever you can and and look but you know i ended up in the new age section which you know just was bizarre in itself um you know um but all that to say is that when I got down to Santa Monica, I just thought, well, you know what? Why don't I just buy a Bible? <laughs> and, and 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 I bought a Bible and I started reading it every day. And it was kind of interesting because I was on the 
beaches of Santa Monica, you know, almost every day, uh, flipping through pages of the Bible and, and constantly reading and reading and reading. And then I, as I turned the page, I was like, oh, my goodness, I do this. That's wrong. I do that. That's wrong. Oh, my goodness. I can't make deals with God. Oh, you're supposed to fast. Why? Why do, why do, you, why do you not eat? Your eyes were opening. It was crazy. I was going through this roller coaster. And then at the same time, um, I, uh, my friend Mike uh, was, was a member of the Grand Havana Cigar Club. So I'm sitting there and I'm meeting, you know, I met Sandra Bullock. And then I became friends with uh, Mel Gibson's bodyguard. And then Mel Gibson was at the club. And then, you know, there's MC Hammer over here on one side. And then there's the Star Trek cast over here. And you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's a member there, and Sylvester Stallone's a member there, and I, I'm like <laughs> sitting there, and and I'm you know I'm having this conversation with Sandra Bullock about Canada. So and surreal. It it was, <laughs> and I was like, my friend Mike looked at me. He goes, Cliff. He says, you know what? You know how long and what people would give to be in your position? And I said, I don't know what. And he goes, you just don't walk into L.A. and meet these people. Yeah, that's not that's not a common experience. And I was like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, there's me, you know, Mr. Na na naivety thinking, well, what's the big deal? They're, they're people. Right. But it was it was when I was back in New York City. I mean, uh, uh, my friend Mike had a um, uh, an office in Tribeca and. You know, he he'd always hit the wall and, and he'd start screaming out, Bobby, Bobby, how are you doing? And I, I go, what's he? I said, who's Bobby? He goes, Cliff, it's Robert De Niro. Oh, wow. And I go, what? I said, he goes, Robert De Niro's office is on the other side of this wall. And wow. and, and I started laughing. I said, no, it isn't. He goes, Cliff, he, he owns the building. And I, I, I kept laughing because I always thought he was pulling my leg. Right. And then one time we went to go grab the elevator and Robert De Niro was standing there, and 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 I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And and Mike says, oh, uh, he says, uh, he says, uh, um, he says, Bobby, he says, uh, I want to, and 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 he kind of smirked when Mike said that. So I, I guess only maybe close friends call him that. But um, he he says, this is my buddy Cliff from Canada, and he says, hey, how you doing? And he says, I love Canada. And we started chatting, and I'm like, you know, it was like. Okay, you're just another guy, right? right. And, and and so it was, you know, it was funny how God put me all around these people, and and you know, I'm still reading the, you know, my Bible every day. And I remember this director at the Grand Havana Cigar Club. He he said to me, he looks at me, he goes, he says, you know, Cliff, he says, uh, you um, shouldn't be in this town. And I go, I go, what do you mean? And he goes, you're too nice of a guy. <laughs> and uh, I go, so what what does that got to do with anything? Like I'm you know I'm I'm not some pushover person. I said, right. you know don't, you know, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. I mean, it's that's far from the truth. And he he just said, no, he says this town is 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 pretty it's pretty tough. And I said, well, so am I. and and I said, i'm I'm not afraid of anything to be honest with you. but you know, I it was kind of interesting how that went. and and uh, one day I was sitting, on on the beach and uh the sun uh was uh setting and the ocean looked like golden tinfoil you know the waves were going and the sun was just hitting the water a certain way and and it looked like golden tinfoil it was the most amazing thing you know talk about god's uh revelation and as that's happening these these three wild dolphins go right by me and and I'm like, this is so incredible. I, this is this is God's creation, and and I was just so taken by that. And and that's when I accepted the Lord. Um, and it was I, just that beauty that guided you towards that. It yeah, it was it was that it was you know reading the Word. Um, you know, not disrespectful to the people that I met in in Hollywood, but. Um, you know, the conversation was an inch deep and a mile wide. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so you accept Christ, right, and you become a Christian. How long does it take you to start diverting your attention into the faith space? Like, oh, I want to create content that is faith-driven. Well, 
now I'm in Hollywood. Now I'm I'm a Christian. I'm I'm looking for a church, but I I can't you know I, I don't know where to look or what to do. I I'd been in the country for uh, five months at that point, and I was getting close to my six months, which as a visitor. Um, you, you need to leave the country after you can't stay in, in, in the country more than six months. You have to leave and sort of come back. And I started praying and, and the answer that came to me was, was incredible. Um, I was just saying, you know, God, you know, wh where do I go? What, what do I do? And all of a sudden, um, God spoke to me and it was the first time that I've ever heard God's voice um, in my life. And it, it wasn't like a, an audio voice, like, Cliff, I have instructions <laughs> for you. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite, you know, the Ten Commandments Moses, um, but it, it, was, it was like a, a thought that came in, in that sort of, that tone, I guess you could say, and, and, and a lot of believers that are listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was, um, the answer was this, it was go home. Oh, wow. And, and, and that was it. What were you, when you heard that, what was going through your mind at, in that moment? I mean, was it, was it a tough, obviously you knew you had to do it, but was it a tough decision for you? Were you kind of like, man, I, I want to keep pursuing this? Yeah. Well, you know, think about it. I was, you know, thrown into the Hollywood scene in a blink of an eye brought around all of this, you know, amazing talent that we watched, you know, and have been watching for years and years. And, and it was go home. And it was like, there was no other instructions. It wasn't like, you know, go home to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where you grew up. It wasn't, you know, go home back to where you originally came uh, or, you know, where were you living before you came here? I mean, it, there was no instruction manual that came with it. You know, um, it was it was just go home. So I ended up uh, in Toronto and, and I left, of course, before my six months were, were, you know, time was up. And because now I had to also change, you know, my behavior. Well, I didn't have to, but it was in I felt the need of changing my behavior. So, you know, the alcohol left the, you know, smoking of cigars, um, all of that sort of stuff you know, started, you know, to leave me and, and I ended up in Toronto and I, two blocks down the road, I found, um, my first, you know, real church was a uh, Jarvis street Baptist church. And I walked in there, I filled out the little card, you know, when you're a first time visitor, I filled out the card. Um, I got a call from one of the elders there, um, who turned out to be a, a World War II vet. So him and I got on right away as armed forces guys. It, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You, you just get on right away. There's a, a special bond there. And uh, he answered all my questions. And, and I started going to church there. And um, I, I, the, the church was going through a transition. They were looking for a pastor. But they also had a, a Bible college attached to them. And so I got involved in, in, in going part-time and got involved with children's ministry. That's where I met my wife. Um, but I was really wanting to pursue getting back into the film industry. And, and um, uh, a quick story here. Uh, a guy got a flat tire at our church. And I got a call from the, the uh, secretary of the church saying, can you help this guy out? He got a flat tire at the church. Or he... He drove off the ramp of the church, and he and can you help him? And I was kind of a little reluctant, but I still went over and helped him because it's downtown Toronto, and, and there's a lot of, um, it's a very diverse downtown area, I can tell you that. And I went to help him, and he said, uh, he said, you know, um, I used to go here, I used to go to the seminary here, the Bible college here, and... Um, I said, oh, okay, well, no problem. Listen, I'll help you out. And he says, I'm late for work. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll take care of your vehicle for you. Give me the keys to it. I'll get your, I'll, I'll get the tire changed. I'll get your tire fixed, help you out. And then he came back and then I said, so I said, what do you do exactly? He goes, well, he says, I'm in, um, I'm in Christian television. Oh, wow. And I said, oh, I said, well, you know, here's what I've been doing. And I said, I'm going to South Korea. And then he told me the show that he worked on. And I said, well, you know what? Um, 
I can help you out there. I said, I'm, I'm going to be meeting with some TV people in South Korea. Maybe I can help get your show on the air out there. And he said, well, let me introduce you to uh, my boss. And he introduced me and I went to Korea and met some networks and came back and and his uh, his boss said, uh, you know, you know, what do you want to do? And, and I, you know, I gave him a little bit of what I'd like to do. And then uh, they said, they said, well, why don't you come in for an interview? And I said, what? I said, why don't you come in for an interview? And I said, I, I'd, I'd love to do that. So I did a, a, a quick type up of all the things that I thought I can contribute to the uh, to this um, uh, TV show. And uh, I remember I was walking out the door. I had my briefcase. I, I had my suit on. And my wife said to me, she goes, <laughs> my wife says to me, she goes, she goes, what about your resume? And I said, and I, as I as I'm walking out the door, I said, God is my resume. And I walked out the door and I thought, oh, my poor wife, we were just married. <laughs> she probably thinks, what a, what a looney tune husband I got here. And 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 so I, I showed up to the studio and we started talking. I'm getting my interview and uh, Rod, he, he is Rod Hembry. He, he reads. Uh, he says about two or three different things. And as we're talking, I said, uh, so Rod, I said, can you just hang on one quick sec? Um, I'm just going to grab something out of my briefcase. And I grabbed this piece of paper. It was only, it was the only piece of paper in my briefcase, but I wanted to look professional, of course. And, and I had one piece of paper and I gave it to him and he looked at it and all the things that we had discussed, all the things that he wanted me to think about helping out on was on that piece of paper. Oh, wow. And and then he looked at that paper and he looked at me and his jaw kind of hit the ground and, and he says, when can you start? And, 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 you know, it was just a crazy God. No, here's the funny thing. The guy that got the flat tire, his name was DJ or is DJ. And that was, is, is DJ. And he was driving a Korean car. He was driving a Hyundai. And, um, uh, my wife goes, her name is, uh, Dung Ju. She, she goes by DJ and she's from South Korea. And and so my, my wife always says, you know, God, God has a, a sense of humor, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, all, it's well, all it, God. It makes you, but it makes you think, you know, the, the lineage of things that happen in our lives, right? I mean, all these little pieces of your story, and that's what I love about this and listening to it, that tie together, that bring you to where you are now. And when you can look back, it's like this quilt of... It seems in the moment like chaotic movements and different things that are going on and random people coming in, but it's all connected to where God wants you to end up, and that's that's incredible. Uh, yeah, and and when you sort of get into the the conversation of um, of predestination and and free will, um, I got to tell you something. Um, um, I, I'd love to have a debate with some of the free willies out there, and and uh, I'll say, wow, I mean, I could not have planned this myself. I mean, there's just no way all of these interesting things. I mean, I was when this guy got the flat tire, I'd been praying that the Lord would bring me into the film industry, that I could serve Him for mm -hmm. for what He wanted me to do, not what what I wanted to do. And just at the point where I was almost at the point I was willing to give up or I was willing to let my sort of what I thought my vision or my dream was, I, I was, I was, I was going to let go of it. And just at that time, uh, this guy gets a flat tire at the church. I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. And now, and now here you are and you have P23 entertainment. Um, what year did you start P23? Well, I started uh, P23 <laughs> around 2007, but uh, prior to that, I had uh, created a company called Providential Pictures. And my first sort of, you know, I did a couple of small projects um, when I started, but my first real big project and break what I where I got, if you want to call it, you know, a break in the industry, was uh, with uh, Chuck Swindle's uh, ministry. And uh, Chuck had a, uh, a radio ministry called uh, Paws and Tales, and it was based on a book that was... Um, that Chuck had wrote many years ago was called uh, Big Ideas in the Bible. And and it was kind of like the Bernstein Bears uh, sort of uh, story. And uh, and there was a really nice biblical um, story in there. And he kind of incorporated his family in it. And and so they, they had uh, 
turned this into a, a wonderful radio ministry, and I was able to acquire the rights uh, to adapt that into an animation series. And uh, they went. I went down there, and and I remember meeting with you know uh, their chairman, um, and I believe he still is. He's a really nice guy. It, it, and and their attorney, might I add, is uh, Celie Yates. And and I'm sitting there at their board, and I got you know Cynthia Swindoll and and Celie Yates, and you know I've got my two lawyers with me that are going to help me out on structuring this with with me, and um, they're like, nah, we're not sure. I don't know. You haven't done anything before. Um, we'd like to give you a go, but we're we're a little concerned and. Um, so it was, it was almost a no, actually it was a no, sorry, let me correct that. It was a no. And then we went and had lunch, uh, just myself and my two attorneys and, and Seeley was there. And, um, he said, uh, why don't you guys, um, why don't you do a pilot? You do a pilot, we'll do one. And, and if you do good quality, you could do more. And I said, okay, let's do that. And so I walked out of Texas, Plano, Texas, with a deal in my hand, and I started uh, producing it. And <laughs> they flew up to see the progress. And I think we're about, <clears throat> excuse me, we're, we're about a third into the pro production. And they were totally blown away, and they said, okay, we're going to sign a deal with you. And, and I, I ended up producing 28 half-hour shows. That's incredible. And so that was sort of your your foray into the into the animation world then. Yes, yes. And and so, uh, you know, what happened after that was I, I ended up getting it on a uh, on a TV network called the uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network. And I was working with uh, Tyndale Publishing at the time and, and they helped me uh, get that uh, license agreement with them. And it ended up being in, in one of the top-rated Christian um, animation shows in, in, in the United States. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It's crazy. And then you, you went on to create, and, to create and produce Bible Man and now Sea Kids. Um, tell me a little bit about, because Sea Kids, this is, this is exciting, and this is your newest series. What can parents and kids expect from Sea Kids? Well, Sea Kids is... is is a, a, an amazing show. This this show is is really going to hit the the hearts and minds of, of little children of, of preschoolers, and and it really it teaches uh, young kids how to pray, um, how to how to you know how to talk to Jesus, um, but it, it also uh, focuses on um, some some struggles that kids go through, like you know you know being bullied or shyness or or you know bragging or or you know things things of that sort, and um, but most of all, it's you know about the relationship with Jesus, and and it's so important that we, you know, um, give that message to our kids and not be a you know let them not be afraid that they can talk to the great Creator, and so see kids is is a really fun and bright show. Like when you see the the vibrant colors in the show. It, you know, it, it's it's all underwater characters. I mean, it's it's a really fun show. There's humor in it, um, but it, you know, just just enough uh, scripture in there too that kids um, will will pick up from that and learn uh, Bible verses. Um, and, and and that's really the series. We we did uh, 26 episodes of that. We're just actually, you know, wrapping up on that right now. That's incredible. And what is it that motivates you the most with these series? Because you've done a lot of animation now. Is there something about that form of storytelling that appeals to you more than other forms? What is it that's kind of kept you on that path? Well, um, I, I guess it goes back to uh, my early days as a Christian, because when I started at uh, the church downtown, I got involved in an inner-city uh, children ministry. And and that's and my wife was a part of that as as well and and that's where I you know I got to really you know get to know her and, and whatnot but I mean that wasn't the reason why I went there but um, well maybe it was I don't know <laughs> I got to think about that a little bit sorry let me let me pull that back well maybe it was part of that but no uh, kidding aside <laughs> I I you know I, I always had a heart for for kids and 
um, working in with inner city kids really opened my eyes to all the things that these you know kids were missing, and they need structure, um, they need discipline, um, they they all want parents to be in charge, even though they act like they don't, they do. They seek I, it. Yeah, they want it. Yeah, they, they they really do. And you know, unfortunately, our society is you know to the point where you know the roles are being reversed. The the kids are running the house. The, the you know you go into a restaurant and you see kids running around, and and the parents are like, I, I can't control my kids. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're the adult. They're the kids. Of course, they're running around. You you're not, you know. You're not you're not disciplining them. You're not giving them the structure that they need. You know, parents. Listen, it, it's not easy. Uh, you know, I got two teenage boys. Um, I got to tell you, um, you know, getting them to not run around in a restaurant, you know, took some some hard work. But I can't tell you how many times we've been complimented about our boys in a restaurant when they were young, on how well they were behaved sitting there and not you know leaving their seat. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to, you, you and I'm learning this. You know, I'm I have a six year old and a three year old. You you've got to be firm, and you have to. You know, it's funny because another animated series, um, Veggie Tales, that my kids love. Uh, my six year old says, you know, you got to let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. And I always laugh because it's such a good lesson, though, and it's true. And you know that with kids, you know, yes is yes and no is no. And so I've learned that more and more because they'll take ten miles if you give them an inch and. That, but they want to be directed. They seek that out, and I think it's fa- it's fascinating raising kids and what you learn in that process. And here you are. Obviously, you have your own kids, but you're you're helping parents with lessons, instill these powerful lessons, life altering lessons in kids. Um, what is your big hope at the end of the day? You know, when it comes to just the work you've done and your legacy that you leave behind with all of this, what are you hoping people take away from that? Well, um, uh, I, I listen to a lot of um, Christ, uh, I listen to a lot of Christian radio, and 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 I and I watch you know um, Christian TV too, and you know whatever I can consume. And there's a there's a couple of you know uh, pastors like Vernon McGee and Adrian Rogers, and you know I even read you know. Um, you know, Charles Spurgeon from the 1800s. And, you know, uh, these godly men are, you know, gone and with the Lord, but their ministries are still alive and well. And these animations that I've been producing over the last, you know, almost going on, uh, oh my, getting close to 20 years, um, is, is going to continue after I'm gone. And, you know, my hopes are that this will just continue on for, you know, generations to be, you know, I remember buying my kids uh, from Walmart years ago, uh, Superman from the 1940s, uh, the animation. And, and I'm thinking, wow, I, I said, that's from the 1940s and, and Walmart is still selling it, you know, and it was in like, you know, the $5 bin or whatever it was. I love that bin. <laughs> I love that bin too. I, I like, you know, DVDs are not, they're going to be here for a while. So don't give up. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, I was, I was so, you know, so moved by that on the side of my shows can, can last. And, you know, they're not my show. They're, they're the Lord's shows, you know, and see kids, you know, for the, for the preschoolers, because the, the shows that I've done over the years of see kids is the youngest age that I've, I've produced. I, I did, uh, when I first did, um, pause and tails, that was sort of more of a, I'd say, you know, six to 12, you know, age category. I did a, another show called adventures in Booga Booga land, which was the parables of Jesus. And, and that was, you know, getting a little bit younger. And then I did Bible man, which, uh, I adapted into an animation series and 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 p23 entertainment owns that uh, uh property now and uh you know that show is sitting around you know sort of the five to eight you know and and up to 12 because uh, you know i i watched 11 year olds my son's uh, kids at the, uh, my son's friends when they were 11 when they were watching it and they were stuck 
you know, watching, you know, the shows and I thought, oh, fantastic. Maybe I could even skew to, you know, the tweens and, and keep going. But uh, Sea Kids, um, definitely a preschooler show. And, and I know that, you know, I've, I've done some testing with this and, and the kids are just glued to the, to the TV or, uh, you know, to the tablets watching this. And, and so I, I guess, you know, the long story uh, short here is that, you know, my, my hopes of, of my legacy, if you will, um, is that these just continue on forever on, you know, and, and, and if, if this gets me a couple of jewels in my crown in heaven, then praise the Lord, I'll take it. You know? <laughs> I love it. Well, where can people go to find out more about you and your company? Um, we, we have uh, our website is uh, p23entertainment.com. Uh, um, it, it lists all of our shows that uh, we've produced. Um, see Kids is at the very forefront, and, and we're really excited Um about our, our partnership with PureFlix on this. So um, we're, we're excited that we're going to have a, a launch coming up on that. So uh, for more information and, and to watch a trailer of Sea Kids, I mean, you know, please go to P23 Entertainment um, and, and you can watch the trailer there. And, and I also believe uh, PureFlix will be putting up uh, trailers coming up soon too, which is uh, going to be really exciting. So uh, definitely go to Pure Flix and, and watch it there too. You can watch the trailers that we'll be posting soon. And um, and the exciting thing is, you know, uh, we we got an exclusive with Pure Flix on on what they're doing there. So um, very excited, and they're very encouraged too. Which is, it's always nice to see, you know, whether it's a broadcaster or, or um, you know a streaming service that uh, is excited about your properties. And and I'm so excited uh, that Sea Kids will be at, at the forefront with them. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Billy. Appreciate it. We'll be right back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family friendly TV shows? movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free one-month trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. Now, I want to just take a moment to do a little reflection here on Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a really powerful chapter in the Bible. It's one that really teaches us quite a bit about living our faith out, what it means to put faith into action. And there's so many lessons. We have these lessons broken down in a piece over on the Pure Flix Insider. It's called Six Life-Changing Lessons from Hebrews 11. So you can go over to insider.pureflix.com to read that. But what are the lessons of Hebrews 11? Let me just walk through them, because I think they're incredibly important. Um, really, confidence and hope in knowing what true faith really means. If you look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, it reads, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It's the idea of believing in God, even though we don't see him in front of us, believing in the truth that is in the Bible, even though we can't physically, materially experience all the elements of it that we might want to experience. It's a confidence in what is not seen yet is known to be there. And this is how the chapter starts out, telling us that this is what faith is. Many times, atheists will crit critique that part of faith. They'll say, oh, well, you know, you believe in fairy tales, things you can't see. But people who have faith and who have the blinders taken off know what that truth really means. Another lesson that we learn in Hebrews 11 is that God's power at creation was intentional. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That all of this came because God wanted it to come into existence. I think the biggest challenge to atheism and non-belief is the reality that so much around us, the systems, the functions that move and work together in perfect unison, they had to have come from somewhere. And we can debate 
all day long about the probability of them coming from nowhere, but nothing that is in existence has come from nowhere. Everything has an originator and a creator. So at the very least, understanding that there was a creator who formed all of these things intentionally um, is an incredible lesson we can take away from Hebrews 11. Another element is that one cannot please God without faith. This is Hebrews eleven six, and the verse reads, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is one of the core pieces of the gospel, right? Accepting, believing, but also following, earnestly seeking God. That is an incredibly important element of faith. And so there's just so much in Hebrews 11. Those are just three points. A fourth is about Noah, that Noah is a powerful example of faith lived out, and Hebrews 11, 7. And by the way, we're only seven verses in, and we've already got all of these amazing lessons, but that verse reads, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And you think about the struggle with faith that people sometimes have not being able to see, and you look at the fact that Noah literally went out and built a massive vessel based on what God was telling him. He trusted. At the very least, the lesson we could take away from Noah, one of them at least, is that trusting in God is incredibly important and that God will bring us where we are intended to be when we do earnestly seek him. Another lesson, God's promises might not come in our time. And I think even thinking through Noah and the years he spent building that boat and waiting for what was going to come, thinking through the goals, the aspirations that I've had, the things I've wanted to do, and I look back now and I see that God has brought me to different places for a reason and that it may, it may not make sense while it's happening, but it makes sense later on. And so you can find that in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. I will not, I won't read through all of that, uh, but it, it calls us to call on God um, and, and to know that we may not get the things we want to get in the time frame that we want to get them. I mean, look at the Old Testament, all of the prophets and the people there who, you know, knew that Christ was coming. They were given these glimmers of what was to come, but yet they did not live to see it. It did not happen in their, in their lifetime. So I just, I think believing in God's promises that they may not come in our time, but that they will come in his time. And the last thing, and this is really important, we must sometimes make tough choices for God. And you find this in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the, tre- value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. That is convicting. We live in a tough culture. There are going to be times we have to make tough choices for God. You can read more on Hebrews 11 over at insider.pureflix.com. But with that being said, let's dive into our second and last interview of the day. I am super excited to talk with Lindsay Davis. She is a correspondent at ABC News. She's also a reporter at ABC News, and she's also the author of the new book, One Big Heart. It's a kid's book about diversity, and it's about God, and which is incredible. You know, you don't often, and there are people in media and Hollywood who are Christians, but you don't often find them and get to talk with them. And I've interviewed Lindsay in the past. She's phenomenal. The book is really fascinating, worth grabbing a copy for young kids, teaches a lot of positive lessons about the multitude of colors to different personalities and interests. That exist and how God gave us all special traits and characteristics to make us all uniquely ourselves. Some of that is from the book description, but I'm going to let Lindsay talk to us about that now. Hey, Lindsay, how's it going today? I'm good, Billy. How are you? I am doing really well. It's so good to, to hear your voice, and I'm excited to talk about your new book. It's One Big Heart, A Celebration of Being More Alike Than Different, and I have to tell you the title alone, and then when you get into the actual book, um, it's so timely. When did you start working on this project? Uh, we did it, it was a little over a year ago, but right, th- this particular week, just what we're talking about, you know, in the news cycle and politics, I feel like it's especially important. And, you know, obviously this is a children's book, but this is a case where 
uh, the adults could kind of, you know, get get a little message here as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there are a lot of adults on on all sides of every aisle who I think forget yes. these lessons, you know, and and you see right. you see this again and again. Um, and I I love in an era where we're so divided in people, it's there's so much chaos, and kids are watching this, you know, kids are seeing this. But I love that you've taken it upon yourself to to put out this kids book that talks again about being more alike than different. So I guess I'll throw it out to you to just ask, you know, in, in your view, what are you hoping, you know, parents and kids take away from this book? The idea here is that, yes, we are all different colors and we're, we have different features and different personalities and different backgrounds, but God gave us all this special gift. He gave us all one big heart. And that's the most important part because that's where the love starts. And part of the reason why I decided to talk about this topic is just looking at the world around me and the messaging and just how divided we were becoming. And I felt, you know, my son was watching, um, you know, uh, on the news, which I, because I'm on the news, he kind of watches sometimes, but I really do try to limit what he's watching. Um, and he was observing a little bit of the, uh, I guess it was April of the, uh, I can't remember the exact year, but when the black men were arrested at the Starbucks in Philadelphia mm. and he really was reacting to that and asking, um, you know, well, why did the policeman take those black men to jail? And so he was just so aware of, you know, race and color and, you know, asking questions about it. And you know, I felt like he was way too young to have to have that conversation. I felt it was really unfortunate to have to have that conversation. And so I, I thought this is a really good jumping off point to just say, hey, yes, there are things that are different about us, but we're more alike than we are different. And, you know, kids really actually start out with that notion. You know, when, yeah. I, when I'm thinking about my son, who's just five years old and at camp now, and he'll come home and say, oh, hey, I, met a, I, I made a new friend. And that's more, they are very quick to find common ground. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it really is. It's not about, you know, what you look like or where you're from or if you have the same beliefs that they do. It's really like, hey, do you like uh, Legos? Because I do. And, <laughs> and yeah, do you want to be my friend? Yeah. Um, and, and it's that simple. And that's where we really can um, learn a great deal because kids are obviously they're taught um, to to have these feelings about, oh, you're different and you don't believe this and you don't feel that way about this. And um, and that's that's where it really gets to be uh, dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we tell my daughter all the time, you know, and, and it's hard because she's six. She's going to be seven, you know, and they only understand so much. But we tell her, listen, there are going to be people who don't agree with what you believe or what we believe, but we have to love people. You know, and I think there's there's such a, a missing ingredient. Sometimes we kind of teach our kids truth and we forget to teach them love or we teach them love and we forget to teach them truth. And so, you know, we've really been trying to make this effort of saying, you know, on the belief front, you know, you're going to encounter people, especially in today's culture. And, you know, we're Christians and she's being brought up that way who are not going to agree with us on some things. And that's okay. You know, we can love people. Um, I think on this issue, you know, finding that common ground, you know, across the board is so important. And these kids are sponges. Like my daughter's come home and right. she's told me things that she's heard, you know, when the Parkland shooting happened, she was so scared because a, a kid came in and she was in kindergarten and he was talking about what he saw on the news. And, you know, that kind of brings me um, to to just your position, right? What you do. You work in obviously a very serious realm, ABC News correspondent, dealing with news. It can be a really exhilarating experience, I would imagine, also sometimes <laughs> depressing at moments right. and chaotic. What what made you want to also become a children's book author? Because they're very different worlds. Right. And that's part of it. Right. It's it's just wanting to have that balance. And so instead of, you know, writing and talking about the, the murdered and missing, this is a way to kind of focus back on like all that's good and pure and innocent and, and having firsthand this this little muse who lives with me um, <laughs> is is really just a fresh reminder of what I need to try to be focused on and and trying to also instill um, I think that part of what I did with the first book and, and what I've done with the second book here with One Big Heart is 
um, all the things that I want my son to. It's like if I were writing a, a, a note to my son about life, um, I'm putting it in books for him. That it's really kind of messaging for him. But but as much um, things that he is is teaching me and reminding me in this refresher course that parenting has in in you know being good and being kind um, and open-minded and, and open-hearted. And, you know, people will often say that kids don't see color, and I totally disagree with that premise. Kids do see color. They just don't assign a value to it. Yeah. It's adults. It's adults who do that. And, and that's, you know, just another way that the big people could, could learn from the little people. Yeah, I totally. And in a world in which we're so inundated with information too, again, having books like One Big Heart, it's so important. You know, we need to be putting other things out there uh, because there's so much. Like I said, my daughter came home talking about Parkland and how scared she was. And, you know, she's asking me these questions and she kept saying, you know, this nine-year-old boy went into his school and hurt people. And of course he was 19. You know, she's picking up these little pieces and it's just like, and, and I had to sit down and have this conversation with her that I never wanted to have with a kindergartner. Right. Right. Um, right. But here you have a book that you could sit down with your kid and have a really positive conversation about our differences and what makes us alike and that there's a God who created all of us and who loves us. And so, you know, with, with that said, I guess I would also ask you, you know, how did your faith influence the formation of this book? Sure. I mean, it was, it was very, um, personal in with the first book in particular. I mean, it was kind of, again, me wanting to give an introduction, a general introduction to, to who God is for my son in a way that I thought was really um, reachable for him. You know, we have certainly a lot of the, the baby blessing Bible books at home and everything. And he's really into the stories about, you know, David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale um, and Daniel and the lion's den. But I, I have always felt that those are not that accessible for children to really understand God's hand. Um, and so that was kind of what we started with the first book. And then um, with the second, it was, again, it was kind of built on uh, loosely. I mean, not at all. It's, it's you know, you don't see this, uh, the scripture in the actual words, but I think, you know, the idea of loving thy neighbor, right? And that's, that's a commandment by, from God. And so I think that this is um, a larger, big picture way of, of really communicating that um, to my son and uh, to young people and adults who are, are reading are, are reading the book. But um, you know, my parents at an early age um, had me involved in, in church and Sunday school, and um, I've just felt that that has been a huge influence on my own life. And I would like to make sure that my son gets a similar foundation and start. And um, so I think it's important that. Um, the the words and the the uh, whatever I'm creating for him to consume, um, hopefully is going to be leading him in that direction. I mean, I love that he asks about God and he's curious about God, and um, it, it's just really hopefully that's what what other kids are, are going to do, and, and parents who are hoping that they're going to um, instill. Um, you know, uh, this knowledge of, of who God is and how we can all be better um, as a result, just, you know, in the world uh, to each other. I think that, that they're going to find that that, you know, those messages are, are in the books that, that I'm, I'm putting out. And, you know, people think that it's anecdotal that, you know, we're, we're so divided right now as a nation, but the statistics are there. You know, hate crimes are increasing year over year. We have to get past what separates us and look for those commonalities. And kids inherently know that. And I think that that this book, I think my first book as well, uh, The World is Wake, uh, they're both intended uh, just to reinforce that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really unfortunate. You look across the board, you mentioned hate crimes. You look at hopelessness. I mean, the suicide rate has gone up 31% right. since 2001. Um, and I was just recently looking over some of the stats. Almost every statistic points to a loss of hopelessness, a you know increased tensions with people, people not getting along. I mean, in, and again, you're right. People will say it's anecdotal. You go on social media and, and you just see adults behaving badly. It's just a, this chaotic mess of fighting and, you know, 
know, we, we really need to come back to the roots. And I always tell my my kids, you know, what does Jesus say? Love God, love others. And we move from there. You know, that is that is our baseline. And I think what you're doing here with One Big Heart, that is that provides that baseline and a really unique and innovative way to help parents connect with their kids. And these books are always great because they get you thinking as the parent about what you're doing, right, in your own life. Because I can right. tell my kid, love God, love others, but am I out there actually doing that? Are yeah. they seeing that example, right? So it's convicting for us in, in a positive way. Um, and so for you, and, and this is one of the last questions I have for you, but just as somebody who is covering the news and who is so in that world, are you ever overwhelmed by it? Is it difficult for you or are you invigorated by the responsibility of the role? You know, early on, I saw some, I've seen uh, just some really heinous things and you see, you know, death and you see destruction and the worst of people really uh, in this job. And that was tough. Um, but I think it's interesting because there's something about uh, arriving at, you know, a crime scene, for example, where you, you have this, um, you know, your reporter hat on and, and you have a deadline. And so there's this adrenaline that keeps you, I think, in a way detached so that you're saying, you know, look, I have to be ready, especially when I was in local news. Um, I have to be ready in 30 minutes to go on the air. And so it, you end up with this kind of just the facts man mentality and you're just kind of writing and and almost as if you're you're just an observer. You're not really a part of it. And um, there are times like when I went to the earthquake in Haiti where you really were just seeing so much, you know, because it wasn't like they were even removing the bodies right away. Um, and and that was a lot. That was one that I had to actually come back and really decompress and really because I felt that I had become so entrenched in the story and the people um, that I had to really come out of that. Um, but for the most part, I do think that there's kind of a, a separation of church and state, if you will, where I, I'm really just um, just getting the facts and then relaying the facts as, you know, um, I've been able to kind of keep track of, of what happened. Um, but yeah, there is a way that you can, and especially I have to say, becoming a parent, um, did kind of I revisited some of the stories that I've covered and it really, and I have covered some, you know, since where you're interviewing a parent who's just lost a child and it becomes a lot more emotional. It's harder to, to, to keep that wall up. I'd say, um, now, now that I am, um, a, a parent. But uh, to that point, I actually want to uh, just say that I wrote this book with my mom. So this is a, a sharp turn. But uh, in thinking of the, the idea of parents, so my own parent, my mom uh, was an English teacher. She's retired. Um, but she's the one that kind of fostered this interest and passion in words and language uh, and literature for me. And so um, so I wrote the book with her. And it's really uh, been interesting to see kind of from two generations you know, she kind of went at it um, uh, with what she was hoping for me and what I'm now hoping for my son. And it's still the same. That's it's really cool. Same. That's really yes. cool that you got to work with her on this. Yes. Yeah. Was that, what was that? I mean, that's so, it's got to be so cool to have the chance, like you were just explaining, you know, what she wanted for you and then what you want for your son and having that come together in a unique way. That must right. have been a really once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. And just because there's so many years between us, right? You know, I mean, my, uh, I'm, well, I, uh, significantly <laughs> younger than my mom and my, my son is significantly younger than I am. But in this, in this uh, gap of, of two generations of child rearing, um, not that much has changed as far as what, if you strip it all down, what we all want from our children and from, you know, the, the next generation. But yeah, I was still learning from my mom, you know, cause I, cause I might write something and she'd say, no, I think that's too lofty. You really want to keep it so that children understand it. And, you know, and, and just kind of the going back and forth of the brainstorm and, and it was just fun because, um, you know, this is the person who gave me the building blocks literally, uh, to life and um and uh, my spirituality and and trying to you know be your best person and, and being kind and 
Uh, so it was really fun to, to work with my mom uh, on this one. Well, listen, we're going to link out to the book. I am so happy for you. Congratulations. We'll encourage people to grab copies of it and hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. Oh, I'd love to be back. And thank you so much, Billy, for having me again. That was a phenomenal interview. I always enjoy talking with Lindsay. If you want to find out more about that book, you can head on over to Amazon and pick up a copy of it. You can also head over to insider.pureflix.com and facebook.com backslash pureflix for more daily inspiring content. Tune in next time for another episode of the Pure Flix podcast. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for your free month of access to thousands of faith and family friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix podcast.